Hallelujah. I want you to greet your brother or sister sitting by you and welcome him once again. Okay, once again. You are all welcome to PIWC where Jesus lives. Amen. Actually, today I was supposed to be in Sahara District. Our area head was supposed to come here. But I had information that I should be here. That's why I'm here. So to some of you, it will seem strange to you why I've told you that I'm going to Sahara and now I'm found here. I need to be here because here, this place is my home. And there is nowhere better than home. Hallelujah. Therefore, the message that I was supposed to go and preach there, I feel that I should preach it here. Hallelujah. And this morning, we're going to consider a very sensitive topic. I call it sensitive topic because even in a Christian dome, there are so many views about when it comes to giving, more especially tithe. But I'm praying that God will open our mind and our sight for us to be able to understand the reason why we give. In everything until you understand the purpose and the reason why you do such thing, you will not be committed to it. But I'm here to announce to you that if you call yourself a Christian, your blessing and everything is in giving. There are things that prayer does. Prayer will only open the doorway for you to receive divine revelations from God. It connects you to God. But if you want an open door for blessing, then there is no other means that you can try God than tithe and offering. So it would be wrong for us to think that it's not proper to talk about it. That is to say, we want to be poor. But as far as in this room, we want God to bless us, means that we must talk about it. Hallelujah. If we read Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 to 12. Please, if you can project it. Uh-huh. For it says that, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Thank God you are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you, ye are gone away from my ordinance. Take note, ordinance. And have not kept them. Return unto me. And I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? I told you to take note of the ordinance. And now, God is asking them to return and we're asking God, in, in what thing should we return? And he said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And the response was, in tithe and offering. In tithe and offering. Let's go. Yes. You are under a curse. May God forbid that you will be under a curse. The whole nations of you, because you are robbing me, Bring the whole tithe unto the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not try, if I will not throw upon you the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I pray that this morning God will throw upon us his floodgate of blessings. 
If you believe that, say amen. Knowledge helps us to assess the riches and the blessings of God. If you have, a, have knowledge about something, it is then that you can commit yourself and really do it well in order to receive the benefit thereof. But if you don't, then anything at all can carry you. In giving of tithe and offering, there are so many views. We have some religious sects who claim that tithe is gone and it's no New Testament thing. But I'm here to tell you, it's all Pharisee and lies. To us who are in Church of Pentacles, we hold firm tithe and offering as one of our what? Tenants, our doctrine and our belief. We believe that every Christian can only be blessed if he gives. And if you want to add quotations that can battle uh, that assessment or such claim can be seen in Matthew chapter 23 verse 23 and also Luke chapter 11 verse 42 you can also read the same Luke chapter uh, uh, 18 verse 12 they read part and leave the rest this is where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees that you give tight in mean and small things but you neglect the basic things that are required of you. That is kindness, love, and mercy. But then, we shouldn't forget the other. The other which is there talks about the ordinance of God. If you are happy about it, say amen. amen. One thing that I want us to understand is that the God that we worship his nature and everything about him is given. The creation, all the things that God created, God didn't create it for himself, though he created it to show forth his power and mind. But after creating everything, he handed everything over to what? Man. So God in his nature possesses that instinct of what? Giving. He's always prepared to give. He has given the sea. He has given all the gold in the earth. He has given the mountains and all the nice things we see around to us so that our life can be what? Comfortable. So God, the greatest gift that he gave is his son Jesus. That is the only greatest gift that one can give unto mankind. That Jesus Christ was given as a gift for mankind so that we can be saved. For the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the only thing he has, the only thing he cherished, so that as many that will believe in that gift, in that offering, shall be called the son of God. The reason why we became children of God is because we have accepted the offering of God. What God offered. And the thing that we can also offer in place of what God did is to offer our whole being. That is all that God required of us. That we can offer our whole being as a Christian. Hallelujah. Why do we give tithes? It is part of our still worship. Because whatever we have on this earth is not our own. It's a gift to us. Therefore, if you read James chapter 1 verse 17, he said, every gift and every perfect gift is from above and come down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The reason why we must give is that Everything we possess in this world is given to us by God. We don't own it. Your beauty is given to you by God. It is God who designed you. All your parents knew is to give birth to you. But as you look nice, presiding, it's the design of God. It's not because your parents know how to do it better. Hallelujah. Whether you, you are fat or slim, 
whether you are tall or short, is God's own design. And all those things are giftings that God has given to you. And we need to appreciate God for that. Also, if you read a psalm, chapter 24, verse 1, it says that the earth is the law and the fullness thereof. Everything on this earth is for God. The fullness thereof is for God. So if God's grace, you are blessed with a good job, you are blessed with a family, you are blessed with finances, I'm here to tell you all those things are God's gift, given unto you freely. It's not your own strength. It's not your own making. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says that the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. It is he who gave it to you. He has the authority and the power just to blow just air and all those things will vanish. So whatever you have, consider it as a gift from God. I hope you are following me. And the Bible says something very uh, uh, touching which borders on our strength. And it said, there is nothing we have that is not given to us by God. Uh, all that we just mentioned, even our talent. And Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 17 to 18 says that then you say in your heart, my power and might and of my hand have gained me this work. And the 18 says that, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the power to get wet, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is today. The power and the strength, the life you have, is given to you by God. God has the right to take it. Sometimes I do look at myself, most often when we go to a funeral, seeing somebody of my age or below my age or above my age lying down there. Some are very prosperous and knowledgeable than I am. Some are very worthy than I am. Yet, their strength has failed them. But to you who is alive, you have to be grateful to God that God has sustained and has given you life. And the reason and the purpose why he sustained your life is that he wants to keep his covenant that he made with our fathers as a Christian. That is the purpose. The reason why you live is that God is keeping his covenant with me. That is why I'm alive. If not, I'm gone. Something seriously or something strange or something small will have blown me away long ago. But I thank God for the cross, that the strength in the cross is still sustaining us. Somebody say amen. Any Christian who doesn't give recognition to God in whatever he possesses is like the rich man Jesus spoke of. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 20. I want to paraphrase it. This rich man thought that it's by his strength that he, he was able to farm and get his words. And after harvesting the things and saw the things on the bands, how plenty they are, they say, hey, my soul, eat and drink, for you have enough in store. And Jesus said, foolish. Today, your life will be taken away from your hands. So you shouldn't pride yourself with what you have as, as if it is your skill, it is your wisdom. I want to tell you there are a lot of people, I encountered somebody who had stroke and I felt sad. This is a man filled with wisdom, but just stroke, he could not remember anything, even his account number. He couldn't remember anything. Just struggle. His mind was blown off. This is how powerful the God we, we serve is. So you can pride yourself with what you have and think that it's yours. Let me keep it by myself. If you do that, God have mercy on you. 
And Jesus referred to that rich man, you foolish. Excuse me to say, it is the Bible who is saying it. So if you are a Christian and you tend to deprive God of his due, if you don't take care, one day God will blow you off and you will see your state, the true state of you. But we pray that nothing of such happen to us. As we go through these lessons, I want us to also consider how the tithe started and how did it became our practice. How the titan became our practice. The first thing mentioned, as we all know, is from Abraham. Genesis chapter 14, verse 17 to 20. And I want us to read. Please project it for us so that we all read. I want all of us to read. Yes. Genesis chapter 14. Let's go. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva. That is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Chidolema and the kings who were with them, with him. Let's go. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And he was the priest of God most high. Let's go. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and the earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all his possession. And gave him the tithe of his possession. This is the origin of tithe. This is where we started giving tithe. But there is something strange in these very quotations that were these passages that we read. The first thing this happened after law, after Abraham had gone to deliver his cousin Lord from the hands of this wicked king. And at his return, the Bible said he got to a valley which is called the Valley of Kings. The Valley of Kings. And he gave a location where this king dwelt to be Salem. And when I was really studying these passages, God really gave me a mystery that made me shiver. I saw that God, you can't joke with him. So the statement that Jesus said, before Abraham I was, it is true. Then there is no, this place that they mentioned wasn't a nation. It was a valley. And the Bible said that this king is there. And he's the king of the Most High God. And if you read Hebrews, the Hebrews, uh, the, the Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 1 to 6, he says something that described, after describing when Abraham met him, he said that Melchizedek's name means that he is the king of what? Righteousness. First thing. And also, he is the king of Salem, meaning the king of peace. Two. And the third one is that he was without father, no mother. He has no generation. He has nobody to refer to as his lineage. There is nobody to refer to. He has no beginning and has no end. Hallelujah. And also, the Bible says he is in the resemblance of the Son of God. So who could that be? We all know that the only person who qualifies to be called 
righteous is God by the Jewish standard. It's only God that is given this title to be what? Righteous. And Jesus Christ was also given by Isaiah that he is the righteous man. And also when we come to the peace, it's only Jesus that is given this description as the prince of peace. So it means that uh, Melchizedek couldn't have been anybody else than our Lord Jesus Christ who was and is and is to come. Hallelujah. If you read Revelation chapter 1, when God revealed himself to John, he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Hallelujah. I died, but I rose again. And I hold the keys of heaven and of Hades. He holds the key of death and of Hades. Hallelujah. So it's this description that the Bible is giving tells us plainly that the person that Abraham met was no other person than our Lord Jesus Christ. And the very moment he met him, what Melchizedek did was that he gave Abraham bread and also wine. Jesus says, I am the bread that comes from heaven. Whoever eats of me shall live. So at that very moment, what it, it is is that God was entering into a covenant package, uh, package with what Abraham. And the covenant package is that from today, I'm giving you my whole self. I'm giving you my whole being. I'm giving you my whole self. Myself is the covenant that I will enter into with you. When God told him to sacrifice his son, and after doing the attempt and God saved the son, when you read, he said, I vow by myself that blessing I will bless you. Here, God was fulfilling that promise by what? Giving up his whole self to Abraham as a seal of the covenant. Today we are coming to dine with the Lord. This is a covenant, a new covenant that God has given unto to us and it represents the body of Jesus Christ. It means that God has given his whole body to the entire world and whoever come to him will have him. If you accept him, you have life and have it abundantly. Where is the geographical location of this great man, Melchizedek? Before then, Psalm 110 verse 4 says, The Lord has sworn an oath and will not change his mind. Forever you are the priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is a prophetic utterance by David about his son, his head, Jesus Christ. When it comes to the geographical location, if you read Psalm 76, verse 1 to 2, he said what in Judah is God known. In Judah is God known. His name is great. His tent is in what? Salem. Are we getting the picture now? His tent is in what? Salem. Before Abraham met Melchizedek, there, were, there was no town called Judah. Then Judah was not born. Judah is part of what the 12 sons of what? Jacob. So Judah became a city or a town or a nation, if we will put it, after the Israelites came to the scene. And he's saying that in Judah, will you know God? And the location that you can see that great God is that his tent is in what? Salem. So who is that God in Salem? Who is that man? It's no other person than Melchizedek, our Lord Jesus. The one who reigns in the midst of his people. So he said in the tent, his tent is in Salem in Judah. 
and his dwelling place is in Zion. We all know that Salem means what? Praise. To rejoice, to praise God. Judah means praise, to praise God. Hallelujah. So as the children of God meet, as we meet together and begin to worship God and begin to glorify God, he abodes in the midst of his people. So as we assemble here, God is right here with us. Because there is praise here. There is worship here. And because there is praise and worship, God resides here. Hallelujah. So we've seen the geographical location. Jacob also did say by giving his tithe to God. And tithe is simply one-tenth of all your possessions. But sadly enough, when the people got to Egypt for 400 years, they never gave any sacrifice unto God. And this is where there is a mystery that I want us to rival at. 400 years, no sacrifice. You can go and research and prove me wrong. No sacrifice for 400 years. For 400 years. They were there without any sacrifice. They were under slavery. The reason is that it is because first they were slaves. No slave can offer to God. No slave can offer to God. It takes the redeemed to offer to God. If you are not redeemed, you cannot offer. So if you are here and you don't accept this basic doctrine, it means that you still believe that you are still on the strange land. You are in Egypt. The Israelites, though they are of God, but they couldn't offer to God. Because what? They were slaves. Thank God that we are not slaves. We are the redeemed of God. And the second point also is that Egypt was not the rightful place to offer to God. You cannot offer on a strange land. Look into the face of your brother or sister and tell him, you can't offer to God on a strange land. So those of us who have been offering somewhere else, God wants me to tell you that you can't offer to God on a strange land. God have mercy. Some people claim that the Passover is an aspect of offering. But I beg to differ. It's not an offering. It is something that God instructed the Hebrews to do. Not an offering, but to serve as a memorial for the execution of God's judgment upon their enemy and for the redemption of their souls from slavery. It is not an offering that they gave to God. So God ordered them. If you read uh, Exodus chapter 12, God told them that they should do what? Kill a lamb and smear it on their doorposts. And in the night, he the Lord will pass. And he will execute judgment upon the, Jew, uh, the, 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 what, the Egyptians. Their firstborn will die. And every beast and everything they rear will also what? Die. He, God, is coming to execute judgment on their gods. But to them, they should smear the blood on their doorpost. And when he sees the blood, he will pass over. It's, in, it's not an offering. So the purpose is for execution of what? Judgment over the gods of the Egypt, the land of the Egypt, and also the deliverance of the children of God. 
That is all the Passover means. Thank God that by the blood of Jesus we have been redeemed. Oh, your amen is weak. By the blood of Jesus, we've been redeemed from the captivity of Satan. And now let's see the purpose of God's deliverance unto them. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7. He says that, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry. Today may God see your oppression and your cry. And if you read further, he said that, and the, the verse 8a, he said, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I have come down to deliver. I pray that may God deliver you from whatever is gripping you, whatever you become slave to, any form of sin, any form of oppression that is oppressing you. May God deliver you this morning in the name of Jesus. So the purpose, God saw it and he came down. And let's see the purpose of their deliverance. If you read the verse 18, he said, Then they will heed your voice. God was talking to Moses what to do. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come, you and your elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us and now, please, let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice unto the Lord. First purpose. We can sacrifice on a strange land. Therefore, I, the Lord, something that I cherish, something that I desire, I have come to deliver you. But after the deliverance, you can't do it here. God has the right to kill all the Egyptians and then let the Israelites stay. But God will not do that because that place is cursed. So they can't offer to God there. So God said, go and tell Pharaoh that you should let my people go a three days journey to the wilderness out of the boundaries of what? Egypt. And do what? First thing, sacrifice unto me. First thing. The second one can also be found in Exodus chapter 7 verse 16. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. First, to sacrifice. Second, to serve God. I hope you are following me. Exodus chapter 5 verse 1. He said, after Moses' words and Aaron, afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. So the first thing for their deliverance is for what? Sacrifice. So that they can give a genuine and a holy sacrifice unto God. And the second one is to serve God. That they can have close relationship with God. In worship, in praise, in listening to his word. And they also pouring out all they have unto God. And the last one is feast. God wants to have a feast with them. He wants to dine with them as he's going to dine with us today. So it takes the delivered to sacrifice. It takes the delivered to serve God. It takes the delivered to do what? To feast with the Lord. So if you are here and you have Christ Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, 
Be glad that you are delivered. And because you are delivered, you are the qualified person to give unto God. To give your tithe. To give your offering unto God. To give all your possessions unto God. Hallelujah. You are the rightful person to serve God and worship him. So sometimes when we come to the church and I see some Christians, the way they are doing as if they don't know where they are. The reason why you've been delivered is for these three purposes. Nothing else. It's to give offering. So even if you don't like, I'll hammer it into your ears. The first thing is to do what? Is to give offering. Is to give your tithe. The second one is to what? Serve God. And also the third one is to feast with the Lord. As we feast among ourselves here, it should also remind us of what Jesus told the disciples. That I will no longer dine with you around this table anymore until we meet in the kingdom of God. So the delivered are, the, are those who will enjoy the banquet that Jesus will hold for us one day when he appears. Hallelujah. So the purpose is to feast. I'll end now. The purpose is to feast. The purpose is to give offering. I will just use one quotation and then I try to explain. Then we go. Please, let's roll to Leviticus chapter 27, 30 to 34. Yes. Theo, I'm waiting for you. Yes. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the tree, belongs to the Lord, and it is holy to the Lord. Now we've come to see the purpose why we've been delivered. And he's telling you that the offering and the sacrifices that you should give. You see that immediately after that, God began to tell Moses to institute some things. He instituted sin offering, free will offering, wavering offering. At the right time, we'll try to go into all those things. And in it, he instituted tithe. And among all the offerings, he said what? For the tithe, it is holy to the Lord. Tell your brother or sister, the tithe is holy. The tithe is holy. So it means that the salary that I'm receiving, there is holy part in it. My friend. All your possessions you have, there is a holy part in it. You cannot eat it. If you eat it, you have eaten a holy thing. Yes. My daddy says then he will become holy. I pray that we all become holy. By fulfilling this part. It says what? It is holy. So you can't calculate your mathematics anyhow. You have, it has to be accurate. Even if it is a cent. That is needed to top it up. To get to that level. And you refuse God of it. You have eaten a holy thing. And holy things too are untouchable. Hello? Imagine the one who employ you to work. After you have worked through all the months and you are tired with all the sweat, if you are due for 10 million, I mean 1,000 Ghana cities, then it comes to you, you know, I'm taking some part of it. I'm only giving you 900. Will you be happy? So even if you man, you will not be happy. How do you expect God to be happy about you? After stealing... Please, we don't have tips here. After taking the holy portion that is meant for God, why do you have to take it? If you do that, it's a crime. It's haram. 
That's what the Muslims will say. It is holy. So we have to be faithful in giving our tithe and offering. Because it's one of the reasons why we've been redeemed. If you believe it, say amen. And if you go further, God himself said that that holy thing is meant for what? To be given to the Levites. Because they don't have any portion in sharing of the land and the properties that was given unto them. They don't have any portion. So if you, you, you are there and you are annoyed, the tithe is given to pastors and all these things. It's your own palabra. You can be annoyed. You can jump to heaven and come. God will not change it. That is what is meant to be. And yours is to be obedient and be faithful to God. And in your faithfulness, God will reward you. So when it comes to our contest in the church of Pentecost, I'll give you so many quotations that you can read. But because of the time, I want to run, run it up. In our contest, as church of Pentecost, the tide that comes, all is not given to us. Mommy will know my, 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 my salary because she works at the head office. Right? Uh-huh. And some of you, you might have seen it before. And you wouldn't wish to be given said salary. But what? We enjoy it. We have taken it with joy. And God is also what? Blessing us through you. Hallelujah. When the tide comes, I want to be playing. A, a, a portion is deducted. 10% is deducted by the local 10% by the district. Right? And that goes into we to our storehouse. You know be so. Then the rest is sent to what? Area. Area storehouse. As Malachi instructed us to do. They also deduct 10%. Which is called the AIDF. That is used for the infrastructure works and things that we see around. When it comes to the pastor's fuel, it's deducted from, from it. When it comes to rent, it's deducted from it. Then the rest is sent to what? Head office. After all deductions, all the deductions is done, head office also have big percentage that they cut and then send it back into the areas for the deprived locals who can build any infrastructure. That is why wherever you go in the surface of Ghana, you see some more pentacles, pentacles. Eh, at least you see CBC structure and mini structure. So the money you are giving is used judiciously. So nobody should deceive you. Excuse me to say, my chairman, between my chairman and myself, I don't think the difference when it comes to salary will be more than 100 Ghana cities. I don't think. Nobody abuses any money. I don't know if you've been hearing pastors being sacked for just 1,000 Ghana cities. You've not heard it before. So in this church, the tithe you give is per, 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 per. I don't have authority over it. Mine is to see to it that the elders, they do the writing. I sign it, send it to the storehouse. None remains here. Some portion of it is also used in building other infrastructure. Now, if people go to PCC, they say, hey, Pentecost, and if you are a member of the church, you are proud of being a member of the church. When did they brought a letter that we should give offering in building PCC? Have you gotten that letter? Had any elder read that letter to you here and you gave an offering? If any elder did so, then come and take your money. 
All these things are from what? The tithe. The church is big. Some people say, oh, why not share the tithe for the poor and the needy? It's true. That tithe, these are some of the things we do. But we have a lot of hospitals that we have adopted, including our own hospitals. My wife works there. Some come without money, but they take care of them. Hello? So the money you are giving is used judiciously. So never, never think that you are enriching the members, the, the ministers, depriving your comfort. And in this church, as an arrangement, the 10% also that comes to us, 50% also goes to the area. That is why we have our mission house, isn't it? Uh -huh. And now we are having six complex building. The tithe is used for a good purpose. And I pray that Jehovah God will help you. Another time we'll talk about the blessings and the curses that goes with it. And if you are here that you don't give tithe, then you have to change your mind. The last thing, please forgive me, the last thing, then I will stop. Yes. Hmm. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5, please let's go there. Deuteronomy chapter, is it there? Uh-huh. But you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all the tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. The tithe is not supposed to be sent anywhere else. If you use your money to enrich a club, you are backfired. If you use your money to sponsor beauty context or what, you have backfired. God is saying that where his name is, that is where you should send your tithe. Ask your brother or sister, have you heard? And ask him where you've been sending your money. Is God's name there? Oh, I say action for me. This is where the name of the Lord is. This is where we've been taking care of your souls. The elders here are taking care of your soul, including me. The officers are taking care of your soul. This is where your soul is. And this is where the name of the Lord is. So this is where you must bring your what? Your tithe. God have mercy. Deuteronomy 26, then I'll end it. Deuteronomy 26, 12 to 11, 15. Let's go. Deuteronomy 26. Let's all read. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce, in the third year, the year of tithe, you shall give it to the Levites and aliens and the fatherless and the widows, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Let's go. Yes. Then, yes, say the Lord, your God, I have removed from my house the secret portion. This is your prayer, so that you have to pray. Take note of this. Then, say to the Lord, your God, I have removed from my house the, sick, the sacred portion, the holy thing, and have given it to the laborer, to the alien, to the fatherless, and to the widows according to all commandment, or, or you've commanded. I have not turned aside from your command, nor have I forgotten any of them. Let's go up. 
I have not eaten any of the sacred portions while I was in mourning, whilst I was sick, whilst I was bereaved, whilst I'm in their need. I have not taken any portion of it, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean. Whilst I was unclean. I have not taken any of this when we are sick. I have not taken any portion of it. No, have I offered any of it to the dead? To go and bury my mother, to go and bury my father. That holy portion, I have not used it. I have obeyed the Lord, my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Let's go up. Look down from heaven. Somebody shouted, God, look down from heaven. Your holy dwelling place and bless your people. In this contest, and bless your people, Dansuma PIWC. And the land you gave, you have given us as your promise, uh, as an oath to our forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the prayer you must pray. For you to be able to pray this prayer, then it means that you have fulfilled all. May the good Lord bless somebody in this room. May the finances of somebody be lifted up. That when we need people who will give, they will give even more than their strength. Like the Zoom lions. May God create a Zoom lion in our midst. Even far more than Zoom lion. In the name of Jesus. May the good Lord bless you and keep you. Whoever have determined in his mind or heart after listening to this word to be obedient to God. May God meet you at the point of your need. May God shock you for you to know that indeed there is blessing and given. And don't forget the purpose why you'll be redeemed is to sacrifice, to serve, and to feast with your God. Amen.